Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, uh, Chase, we are moving on to kind of a, a chapter in between the trips that Paul's been taking. Uh, he's just finished the first trip, and um, that's going to be relevant in this chapter. This is a pretty interesting moment in the early church. Again, kind of a pivotal moment where, kind of like Acts 6, you know, there's a potential split that could happen in this chapter if this is not handled with wisdom and clarity, there's going to be some very serious doctrinal questions, uh, questions of teaching. That's really what the word doctrine means. It's not just, you know, head knowledge, but it's moral teaching. And um, yeah, this chapter is going to be some high tension moments in the early church. Yeah, the topic at hand, the big de- uh, debate will be about whether Gentiles can receive salvation without becoming Jews first will kind of be the big topic of discussion. But that's really not a spoiler alert, is it? I mean, it's something we've already seen in the book of Acts. Yeah, Acts 10 and 11 was where this subject was really hit head on. And um, it's amazing to me how much this question comes up in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Not just in the book of Acts, but it's important for us to get our heads around this question because it comes up so much. I mean, the book of Galatians is largely devoted to this question. And um, I think the helpful thing for us as we read this chapter will be to see the attitudes that they have their approach to answering doctrinal questions because the, the we might not have the same question that they had, but the way they go about answering it is so helpful for us in whatever doctrinal questions that come up because there's no shortage of doctrinal questions that we have in today's religious world. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of uh, different ways that people go about trying to answer questions. And this chapter gives us some really helpful principles to apply. Yeah, and it, and it comes in in a proper context. You'll remember on pa- Paul's first preaching trip in Acts chapter 13, uh, when he's in Antioch of Pisidia, he, he has a, he's given a hard time at the end of that lesson. Um, when the whole city gathers the next Sabbath in Acts 13.45, Paul is, is irritated because of the blasphemy of the Jews, and then he says in verse 46, it's necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, Jews, but since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so that'll be a huge focus for Paul. And by the time he gets back to Antioch of Assyria to talk about the work that he did, we left off last week by reading chapter 14, verse 27. When Paul and Barnabas arrived in Antioch, they gathered the church together and they report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So this is something that Paul was very much so involved with, uh, was the teaching of the Gentiles without them needing to become Jews. So with that said, we'll we'll get into a little bit of the controversy of the day here in Acts 15. So let's uh, go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them, they should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent out uh, on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia, Samaria, and describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. 
When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So this is a serious question. Uh, this is a question of salvation right out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, they Again, this is at the church in Antioch. This is, again, one of the first churches that we see that is a Jew and Gentile worshiping together churches after the conversion of Cornelius. And uh, they had been one of the first churches to reach out and be not just preaching to Jews, but preaching to Gentiles and converting uh, people from the nations coming in. And so there are these men who come from Judea. And this is going to be important in just a minute. That's where the apostles were. And it seems like they come up to Antioch. Again, that was a pretty long journey uh, to come up north to where Antioch was. And they seem to be giving the impression, hey, we're from you know, we're from corporate. You know, we're we're from headquarters and we are uh, coming in and saying you guys have been doing it wrong. You, you These Gentiles that you have quote-unquote converted are not saved at all. They have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses if they want to be saved. They're not saved. And so this is a huge question. And so uh, Paul and Barnabas have uh, no small dissension and debate with them. I mean, can you imagine being a Gentile at that church hearing that? It's like, <laughs> what? 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 I'm not saved. Like, I what what do I need to do? You know, that would be, just be such an uneasy feeling. Yeah. And Paul, I think, feels for the Gentiles in that situation as well. Yeah. And they can't initially reach a, a conclusion in that moment. And so because these teachers, these Jews have come in and, and they're given the impression, hey, we're from Jerusalem. We're from the apostles, um, which was a big claim to make. Because um, again, the apostles were Jesus's representatives uh, after his departure. Uh, so they're like, "Hey, let, listen, let's go, let's go to the apostles, let's go check this out, and let's make sure that this is what's right." Because I mean, God has made it very clear to up to this point that He approves of the Gentiles, even there when they're not keeping the law of Moses, they're in. But these Jews have not gotten that yet. It's like, "Hey, let's go and work this out." The first point. I, I want to just notice here is that understanding true teaching is worth debating. Uh, it is worth working it out together. Um, this I don't know how long they debated before they made the long trip to Jerusalem, but a lot of people, when there are doctrinal questions that come up, just want to throw your hands in the air and be like, oh, let's all just get along. Like, let's, this, this isn't a big deal. Like, let's all just agree to disagree or this is, doesn't matter. And it does matter. <laughs> now, I will say that there, there comes a point where we can quibble over things that don't matter. But this is a, a really serious doctrinal question and it's worth studying. It's worth getting involved with and it's worth figuring it out and learning how to stand on the truth of God's word. And this chapter is going to show us that it, it's worth working through it. Uh, we don't need to be scared of doctrinal discussions and getting deep into them. Um, this is a very helpful chapter to show us that it really does matter what we believe and what we practice. Another thing to point out, it's going to be clear that Paul it feels very strongly the way that he does because he has confirmation from the Lord for the way that he believes. 
But you also will see something in this chapter of people being respectful of each other um, and ultimately wanting what God wants. Mm -hmm. That's what they're striving for. And anytime you go in to talk about a doctrinal issue, you need to have it made up in your mind that you're going to submit to whatever God's word says about the issue. Mm -hmm. You can't go into it with your preconceived ideas and notions, um, but you need to go in being willing to let the word of God shape how you feel about something. Um, and if you, and if you don't go into a discussion like that, odds are you're not going to come out encouraged or with the correct information. Uh, we we got to go in with that honest and sincere heart. Mm-hmm, that's right. What's interesting to me is as they're going on their way to Jerusalem for this doctrinal you know, question to be answered, um, they're spreading the news about the first journey they've taken, and they're going through Phoenicia, they're going through Samaria. Where again, there have been apparently other churches established in these places, and people are rejoicing when they hear the miracles that have been done and the encouragement that's been given. And they report it when they first arrive. The church and the apostles and the elders welcome them, which, by the way, we remember elders were first mentioned in chapter 11 mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, and right. there's still elders there. They have apostles, but they also have elders there as part of the local leadership, and they're declaring all that God has done with them. But again, there are still people in the church at Jerusalem from the from the Pharisees. Pharisees. Yeah, some of the Pharisees were converted. It says that. Mm -hmm. Um, That again, they've been converted. They're Christians, but they have a wrong doctrinal concept that needs to be corrected. And so they're still saying "Ah, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. And so again, that is the question on the table: Do Gentiles have to become Jews in order to be saved? Yeah, there's a question. So uh, let's let's kind of read the the three responses. Yeah, so we're picking up in Acts 15, verse six, and I'll read uh, down to verse 21. And watch for the three uh, speeches, if you will, in this section. Acts 15, verse six: The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, "Brothers." You know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul, as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name." says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, 
My judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. All right, so three perspectives will kind of pop up in the section that Stephen just read for us uh, before the elders and the apostles in the church in Jerusalem. Um, And there had been some debate, it says there in verse 7, and Peter's the first one we read about. And he stands up, and he, I love the way he says this, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. Um, and God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He's talking about what happened back in Acts chapter 10. Uh, he's referring to that same story that in Acts 11, he came and told all these same people about. I think for Peter, there's a little bit of him that's like, are we really debating this right now? Like, we we talked about this back, back. well, not, he wouldn't have said back in chapter 11, but, you know, we talked about this not that long ago. Why are we talking about this? God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles the same way he did to us on the day of Pentecost. Um, but again, he's pointing to something definitive to show the fact that God had given um, a a uh, faith to the Gentiles. Um, and so th- this is a really cool point that Peter's making. And just on that, you know, just because you teach on something once doesn't mean everybody understands it. Very we good point. need yeah. repetition. And that's why there's repetition in the New Testament letters. I mean, Paul will say in places like Philippians 3, listen, to say the same thing is of no trouble to me and it's a benefit to you. It's not like... Once you teach on something once, okay, everybody got it? Okay, we never have to preach that sermon again. <laughs> you know? uh, so Peter, I, I don't know how many years exactly had passed between you know Acts 10 and 11. Sure. And uh, this, I think it would have been a, a few years at least mm-hmm. because of yeah, the first journey so. in between. Right. I didn't go back and look at my timeline on that. But um, regardless, even after just a few years, I mean, we all need repetition. And so Peter is going to say, hey, I'll tell the story again. You know, here, Here's what God did. And it still is true. Um, it's not that our, our understanding is continuing to evolve on this point. No, God made some solid revelation with the Cornelius conversion. And that is still true today on this question. So I'm going to keep coming back to that and making that point. And I, I love his appeal to them as well in verse 10. Why, therefore, do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? You know, we weren't even able to be saved by the law, so why would you try to put that burden on the Gentiles when you know full well that it didn't work for us? Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciate Peter pointing that out. Yeah, and he's just saying, you know, we believe we'll be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And man, that's going to be, again, a point that's just reiterated over and over again, especially by Paul in the New Testament, that we are saved by grace through faith and not by keeping the law of Moses. And that's just so important. And again, that was a question here in Jerusalem, and it will be a question in many churches. He'll write extensively to the church at Rome uh, in the book of Romans about that. Yeah, so after this, um, Peter's not the only one who has something to say about this. Uh, in fact, Paul and Barnabas speak up in verse 12, as I think we all anticipated them to do. Right. <laughs> and um, it says in verse 12, all the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul, so people are being respectful, they're listening. 
But Paul and Barnabas specifically are talking about the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Their, their point simply being, we wouldn't have been able to do these miracles if what we were doing was contrary to what God would have us to be doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. If the Gentiles needed to be circumcised and observe the law of Moses and do all these things, and we didn't you know, acknowledge any of that, then why would God give us the ability to do these signs and wonders, I think is their point. So again, something definitive that they can look at to answer this question. The miracle confirms the message. Yeah, we Once read that again. <laughs> back in chapter 14 in verse, uh, in verse uh, 2 and 3, um, where it makes that point. Mm-hmm. And again, both of them emphasize these are things God has done. Um, God is the one who showed Peter what God has called clean, do not call unclean or common. God has shown Paul and Barnabas, yes, I am accepting the offering of the Gentiles, you know, that you're bringing uh, as you've gone out on this first journey. And the third person to speak up, so Peter is the first one, Barnabas and Paul are the second one. James, this would be the physical brother of Jesus from what we understand. Of course, not the James who was killed back in chapter 12. Um, But he stands up. And what's interesting to me is we've had some... We've had two revelations of God referenced already. These miracles that it, with the house of Cornelius, the miracles on the first missionary journey, and now the thing that seals the deal is the word of God. James brings this up and he says, listen, you know, Simeon, which again, this would be Simon Peter's name, uh, but it's interesting that he uses his, uh, his Hebrew name here. Um, God first visited the Gentiles, and with this the words of the prophets agree. And he quotes from Amos chapter 9. And what's interesting is he zeroes in on a fascinating phrase in the book of Amos that God was going to call the Gentiles by his name. And that's what he says. He's going to take from them a people for his name. And that would have been something that is almost exclusively about the Jews in the Old Testament. I'm going to put my name on them. They're going to bear my name And there's this one passage in Amos that talks about, I'm going to put my name on the nations. I'm going to put my name on the Gentiles. And so James points out, hey, Scripture confirms this. And again, this has been the Scriptures that they all agree on. The New Testament is still, you know, being written at this point. And uh, he says, no, like, God's Scriptures say this is right. The Gentiles are in because Amos said that the Lord was going to call the Gentiles by his name. And so James' conclusion in verse 19 and 20, he says, listen, we shouldn't trouble these Gentiles who turn to God. In other words, they are saved. Don't don't trouble them by telling them they're not saved. Don't trouble them um, by telling them they have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. But he says, listen, there are four things that we need to be clear on, that these are part of God's law. And they are part of the old law, but they're not just part of the old law. Um, he says they need to make sure to abstain from things polluted by idols. So like don't eat stuff, you know, sacrifice to idols and stuff, which makes sense. Yeah. Don't take part in idol worship. Right. Um, sexual immorality, definitely still off limits. That's, that's not my my translation says fornication, you know, sex outside of marriage whatever have you stay away from that, which again, very pagan thing that pagans would have been involved. Yes. These were the things that the Gentiles were just immersed in. Right. Um, and then the third thing uh, that from what's been strangled 
and from blood. And th those seem to kind of go together, something strangled that's not bled out properly. That goes all the way back to Genesis 9, after the flood, <laughs> when mankind is first told they can eat animals, eat meat. It says, do not eat the flesh with the blood, because the life is in the blood. And don't, don't eat that. And so I, I do think he's clear here about Jews already knew not to eat blood, but Gentiles as well. Like we, and today even, we shouldn't eat blood. <laughs> um, that, that's still a, a restriction for, for everybody, that uh, God does not intend people to, uh, to eat blood. And so uh, these things will be repeated in the letter in just a minute. But that's the conclusion that James comes to, and everybody's going to agree with that. Yeah, and listen, th this is an important point to see. Nobody came into this doctrinal decision going, well, I feel like, insert opinion here. Mm -hmm. They came in and said, hey, look at this definitive thing from God that makes the case that Gentiles do not have to observe the law of Moses in the same way or be circumcised in order to be saved. Look at these definitive things. For Peter, it was what happened in Cornelius' household. For Paul and Barnabas, it was the signs they saw. And then James, who I think comes in with the hammer, says, here's what Scripture says. Here's what Amos 9 says. Uh, he even invokes the fact that the Temple of David will be rebuilt after it falls. And that rebuilding is going to include the Gentiles, which is a very biblical idea, as Stephen alluded to earlier. Um, the idea of everyone coming to, to worship at the Mount of the Lord, like it talks about in Micah. This is a very biblical idea that Gentiles will be received in. And we are living in those days now is simply what James is saying because Scripture confirms it. Mm -hmm. So when we have a doctrinal disagreement, what needs to be the final say? God's Word. Uh, that's what we need to let shape our opinions, decisions, and then live it out from there. Yeah, amen. And, and again, I just appreciate as we're reading this that it's so easy for us to think, oh, well, like you have... Your perspective and I have a different perspective and our postmodern world is very opposed to the idea of debate <laughs> and that's not the attitude we see in scripture is that there is truth we may come to a discussion with different opinions with different understandings of scripture all these people are trying to follow God and they believe they're right but at the end of this debate it is clear what the Word of God says and they are willing to change to stand on the word. And we need that kind of spiritual backbone. And we always need to realize we could be wrong. We always need to be open to teaching. If we ever become unteachable, then we're in the wrong. No matter how right we may be on any given subject, uh, we're wrong if we're not willing to change. Yeah, absolutely. We need to have mercy and patience in these conversations uh, as these guys clearly respected one another and were willing to listen. So uh, let's read what they do next um, after settling this issue. Uh, we're going to read 22 through 35. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them, the apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles. Greetings, since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, 
men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they sent away, uh, sorry, so when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent some time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Okay. So I appreciate this, that, you know, back in verse 6, it's the apostles and elders, and obviously, you know, those who've come from Antioch, who've gathered together to consider this question. But there's some kind of communication with the disciples in Jerusalem. In verse 22, it says, It seems good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church or the whole assembly. Remember the word church here is not like an organization. It's all of the, the saved people, all of the disciples in Jerusalem. Um, and so they come to a consensus on this. They come to agreement. They've looked at the evidence and they say, yes, this is good. This is right. So let's choose some men uh, to go back to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas to say, yeah, we, this matter is settled from the word of God. And so they choose uh, Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas. Uh, we'll see more about Silas uh, later on. Um, they're some of the leading men among the brothers in Jerusalem. And this is the shortest letter in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, we kind of forget that uh, you know we have other letters from Paul to various churches. But this is the epistle to Antioch. And it is very short and to the point. Yes, it is. Uh, starting with hello, basically, uh, to the brethren in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Um, we find out something pretty interesting, don't we, at the very beginning of verse 24. It says, Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. Right. Apparently these guys who showed up to Antioch, who said that they were from Jerusalem, they were given no instruction to say this kind of thing. Uh -huh. uh, they had taking it upon themselves to act like that they were kind of the big dog sent in from Jerusalem. And this letter tells us that that was incorrect. That yeah. was not true. Very clear. Like, hey, we didn't send these guys. Yeah. They might think they have our authority, but nope. First thing they do is say, like, they may have given you that impression, but we did not send them. Right. Um, so it seemed good to us being of one mind. I love that, that they, they said we're of one mind here, that we are going to send you Barnabas and Paul, men who, of course, have risked their lives. We read about that just last last week in chapter 14. Um, we're also going to send you Judas and Silas, and they're going to tell you the same things. Of course, Paul and Barnabas had already been telling the church in Antioch this, and so I think it was wise of them to maybe send two guys who, I don't want to say didn't have a dog in the fight, but possibly were impartial parties to come in and, right. and also share what they heard. Well, and again, they've had men come from Judea teaching the opposite. Now right. they're sending men that they are saying, hey, we are sending these guys. We didn't send those guys. But here's the guys who are from us. You know, Paul and Barnabas didn't go down and just 
write this letter themselves. They didn't forge it. You know, this we're sending you witnesses that are saying, no, this is the true teaching, um, despite what you've heard. And notice what they say in verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Uh, It's clear that it's from the Holy Spirit, not because they received any direct revelation in that moment. That that is another interesting thing about this chapter. It's like if there was ever a time for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, hey, here's a direct revelation. You know, here's a prophecy like mid-debate that settles the matter. We don't read about that in this chapter. God allows them to work through this doctrinal question without supernatural intervention. Now, again, they're looking back on some miracles that have happened, but it's like God has given them already all the evidence that they need to reach a conclusion. And again, there's times where like we just kind of wish, like, well, God, couldn't you just like come down and tell me the answer? The thing is, we already have what we need to, to answer the questions that are important. And I appreciate that, that they, rec- they recognize that the Holy Spirit has been involved here, but not because there was any new miraculous revelation happening in this chapter, but because they were reasoning from what had already been revealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing that we have to do today, is look at what the Spirit's already revealed to reach the conclusions that he wants. And so definitely in that way, the Holy Spirit is still active through God's word and able to confirm any debate that we might have. Yep, that's right. And then they repeat the same four uh, requirements that James uh, said back in verse 20. Um, it's a different order, you know, don't eat what's been sacrificed to idols, blood, what's been strangled, don't engage in sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you'll do well. Farewell. <laughs> I love how Goodbye. cut and dry. <laughs> Greetings. Farewell. Um, it is kind of interesting. Uh, this is just a total side note. But uh, the, the introduction of this letter in verse 23 just says to these people, greetings. There's one other letter in the New Testament that just has that that salutation, greetings, it's the letter of James, which is pretty interesting because this is the same James that writes the letter and the book of James. The book of James has an abrupt ending as well. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Keep yourselves. um, Oh, yeah. No, I'm thinking of 1 John. But it's very interesting here to see. It doesn't tell us that James was the one who wrote this letter, but it shows that uh, it may well have been that James was involved in the in the the drafting of the letter that they all signed off on. So they're sent off to take this letter down to Antioch and naturally what they do is is they gather the whole church, the whole congregation together and they deliver the letter. So it's really cool to think about all of them being there as they read it and you see the result. Verse 31 is so cool. After they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. I mean, because what it meant was, hey, all these guys are saved. All of them really are forgiven. You know, we don't have to be wishy-washy on this anymore. You know, you just think about what, what could have been a possible split in the church because of all this. And now they're, they're encouraged by the Word of God and by what the Word of God is confirming in this. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, we have uh, Judas and Silas, the guys that they appointed, come back. And it interestingly tells us that they themselves are prophets and they're also encouraging and strengthening the brothers with many words. Again, the way Luke is writing the book of Acts, this is the highlight reel. There's a whole bunch of other encouragement and good teaching going on here. And they spent some time there. Um, and they're sent off by peace for the brothers. Um, and they uh, go back. Again, this little delegation goes back to Jerusalem. Uh, but Paul and Barnabas remain in Antioch. And they're continuing to teach and preach the word of the Lord with many others also. And 
what we really see from all this is that it is worth it to work through doctrinal questions. When we work through it with patience and zeal, there is rejoicing that comes on the other side. There is a peace that comes from knowing this is what God's word says. It's been confirmed. We've studied it. And now we will stand on what we've reasoned from. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, when we can come to a certain conclusion from God's word, it gives us a lot of confidence. It gives us a lot of encouragement to be able to continue to speak the word, to share it with other people. And when we chicken out and we don't study things, it, again, like you said, we become wishy-washy. We, we don't, we're not firm, we're not as zealous, but because they're willing to dig deep, come to a conclusion, and then go forward on that conclusion, that's the way we ought to be. Uh, this is a great example, a great chapter of these uh, principles uh, that, that help us when doctrinal questions arise. Yeah, so Lord willing, next week we'll get back into some of Paul's preaching trips. It'll be the beginning of his second missionary journey or preaching trip there. And uh, he's going to start off by revisiting some of the churches he had already established. And we'll also see him going into some new territory. So it'll yeah. be a fun chapter next week, Lord willing. Yeah. And they're going to deliver this conclusion <laughs> that they've gotten as they go through those churches. Yeah. Um, if you guys are enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, do please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, if you're interested in online Bible studies, if you have doctrinal questions, uh, we would love to hear from you and to study those things with you. Um, 717-585-0949, capitalcitychristians at gmail.com, or for more information, capitalcitychristians.com. Thank you all so much for listening.